0: Connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are in the last week of a series entitled Live the Life. If you have not been with us, uh, we started off the year with this, and the idea was We wanted to make some New Year's resolutions. We wanted to make some decisions this year. Instead of losing 15 pounds, we said, hey, it would be more important if we decided to to exercise some spiritual disciplines, to get better at these things so that at the end of the year, we can look back and say that we've grown spiritually. That would be so much better than anything else that we could ever do. And we talked about these ideas of getting into the Word of God talked about prayer, we talked about service, and we talked about sharing our faith. And before I get to this last one today, I want to encourage you to do something. We don't do this very often, but I, I, just as a pastor, I want to know, are we hitting the mark? Does it make sense? Are you taking steps in that? And so uh, I want to encourage you, grab your uh, phone, head to the MVF Colorado app, open it up. As soon as you get there, you're going to see a Live the Life survey. If you don't have the app, You can hopefully just point it at that. Um, We'll put it up there on the big screen for you. And hopefully that will pull it up for you. This uh, survey is anonymous. You don't have to put your name in it. I just want to know, how are you doing? Are you taking steps uh, this year? Are are you diving into the Word of God? Are you spending more time in prayer? There's a lot of different questions. And based on how you answer those, it will give you another prompt. And so it's about two minutes probably max that it will take you to take this survey. So would you go ahead? I just want to give you a few minutes and take the survey. That's how important I think it, it is for us. And so um, if you if you can't get it, you can step up here, get a little bit closer if you want. But I would like to see everyone uh, do this survey. I'll give you the next few minutes to do that. Good. All right. Hopefully, uh, I forgot to tell you, all you have to do is point your camera at that on your phone. So uh, if... if If I forgot and you didn't do it, uh, you can do it after the message, and so we'll get to it later on as well if you didn't get a chance to. I just want to hear from you. I wanted to find out how are we doing as a church in these spiritual disciplines, because like we promised you at the very beginning, if you... If you commit yourself to these disciplines, you will see a difference over the long term this year. You're going to see some big leaps uh, forward in your in your faith, in walking with Christ, and growing spiritually, and that's what we desire for each and every one of you, and so um, that's the idea behind this. Now, I'm going to leave that up just for a little bit. I'm going to launch into our message today because the topic I want to talk to you about is, is kind of an interesting one. It's one that we don't talk about a whole lot within churches, some churches more than others, but it's an important topic. And I, and I think it's one of the most important topics that we could address in the church. And, uh, and I don't know, I'm just going to say most of you are probably country folks, so you'll probably understand this analogy. Uh, most of you know what a chainsaw is, right? Most of you? Okay, good. All right. Um, if I brought a chainsaw up here today, and I was going to cut some logs up here, and I grabbed hold of the chainsaw, picked it up, didn't pull the cord, or for some of you that are fancy, they'll push the start button, right? Uh, if I didn't do that, and I just set it on the log, and I begin to push it back and forth on the log, what would you think? Yeah, you're crazy, right? Like, you're an idiot. Like, you have no idea what you're doing. Don't you understand how to use that? Man, there's so much power in your hands. And I'd be like, no, 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 I got this, I got this. And i just lean into it harder, and i start to push it even harder. You'd, you would think I was crazy, And yet, I believe that for Christians today, especially in the American church, that's the way that we do life. That's the way that we do life. We have all this power. We have uh, an amazing advocate, and we never recognize it. We never access it. Uh, Today, I want to talk to you about this this Holy Spirit. Now, I know I want to recognize a couple of things right up front that first of all, I'm going to share with you a lot of what Scripture says about the Holy Spirit. But I also will tell you that I believe the Holy Spirit is bigger than all of this that we're going to talk about today. I believe that he, he um, goes forward and he does the will of the Father. And because of that, he can do whatever he wants to do. And yet in that moment, I'm going to share with you just what I see in Scripture. But I don't want to put him in a box either. Does that make sense? So I'm just going to show you what we we see in Scripture, uh, the guidelines that we see and how we see it uh, utilized in Scripture. But I also um, have to recognize that many of you are coming at this from different backgrounds. Uh, If you were like me, maybe you were raised in a denomination that, that subscribed to a particular translation of the Scriptures, and in that translation, it read the Holy Spirit as the Holy Ghost, right? And because it said ghost, we were afraid of it. Like, we never talked about the Holy Spirit. We just didn't. We didn't, I don't remember it ever being brought up when I was growing up. And then I married a woman who come from more of a Pentecostal background, and that's all she was taught. And so I have to acknowledge that some of you are in the room, maybe you were brought up where it was never mentioned, and some of you, maybe were involved in churches where maybe it was even abused. And so we have extremes all over the place. And and what happened is when we got married, uh, I said, well, uh, this is what I believe. And she said, well, this is what I believe. And we're like, okay, well, let's go to the Scriptures and find out actually what the Scriptures say. And I think it's one of the reasons why we pastor a non-denominational church today and hold firm to what the Scriptures say. And so today, I I just want to share with you what we see in Scripture and and understanding that uh, even, even by... Presenting for 30 minutes, there's no way I could even scratch the surface on what the Holy Spirit does in and through his people. And so today, I think in order to better understand the Holy Spirit, we have to go back to the beginning and we have to address this this thing that we call Trinity. Uh, This idea of Trinity is that God is actually three persons in one And if you don't know what the Trinity is, let me give you a quick definition here. The Trinity is one God who eternally exists as three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, who are each fully and equally God in eternal relation with each other. Now, the word Trinity, you won't find in Scripture. But yet this concept of three in one, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one person, and yet they're distinct individuals that work on different levels, you will see that concept throughout Scripture. It's very clear. And the Holy Spirit being the third person in that Trinity was not an afterthought. It wasn't like God later on said, you know what we need? No, it was always that way, and I want to show that to you because if you go to the very first chapter in the Bible, first two verses, this is what it says. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we have God the Father in the very first verse. Then it says, the earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters." And you might say, well, that's not Holy Spirit, that's Spirit of God. It's the same thing. When you go to different translations, you'll see Holy Ghost, you'll see uh, uh, Holy Spirit, you'll see the Spirit of God, you'll see sometimes where it'll say Spirit with a capital S that's all referring to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. And then as you read through the Old Testament, you see where the Holy Spirit engages in the text all the way through. Uh, Joseph, in his story, for instance, the Holy Spirit gives him the interpretation of dreams. Uh, you see where the Holy Spirit actually gives certain people uh, craftsman skills and creativity to be able to craft the tabernacle and the temple. You see where the Holy Spirit uh, comes into the picture and gives the prophet message after message after message for the people. And it's all down through the Old Testament. You'll see the Holy Spirit interacting with God's people, bringing messages to them. And then when we get to the New Testament, it doesn't stop there. Actually, when John the Baptist is in the womb, he is filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he's supposed to prepare the way for the Messiah. And then Jesus shows up on the scene and and he goes to be baptized. And in this great uh, just incredible picture in the story uh, of, of Jesus' baptism, we see all three parts of the Trinity taking place. We see where Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, steps into the water to be baptized. And as he's being baptized, you see uh, God from heaven speaking into the story. Here is my Son in whom I am well pleased. And and then you see the Holy Spirit as, uh, descending as a dove, is what it says, uh, that's the picture that we get there, and that's why many times when we talk about the Holy Spirit, you'll see a picture of a dove. That's the idea behind all of that, and you see all three of them taking place at the baptism of Jesus. Jesus begins his ministry, and this, Jesus is the second person, uh, person of the Trinity, God in flesh, and he comes to earth, and, and while he's doing his ministry, he's giving instruction about how we're supposed to live the life here and now, and a lot of it has to do with the Holy Spirit. It has to do with relating to Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I want to show that to you. In John chapter 15, Jesus is sitting with his disciples, and this is what he says, Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and whether such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. So as disciples of Jesus Christ, Our job is to remain in Jesus to, uh, some of your translations say, abide in him. Now, the question is, how do we do that? Because Jesus came, he spoke these words, he went to the cross, he died, he was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the tomb and he ascended into heaven. So how do you and I abide in Jesus? Jesus. Well, one chapter earlier, as they were sitting down at the table for what we call the Last Supper, Jesus has already given them some instructions on how they are to abide in him. It comes in John chapter 14. It says this, if you love me, obey my commands, and I will ask the Father, God the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. A lot in that one text, and I want us to get this today because it's so critical if we're going going to walk in the Spirit, this idea that Jesus is sitting with his disciples and he says, look, uh, we're going to send an advocate. The world cannot receive him because they're not looking for him and they don't recognize him. And yet as believers, I think this is some of the problem that we have within the church today is that even disciples of Jesus, even those of us that have received Christ, we are not looking for the Holy Spirit. We don't recognize him. We're not acknowledging the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. And yet, Jesus says, look, I'm with you now. Like, you can see the Father because I'm with you. You know the Father because you know me. And when I leave, here's what's going to happen. We're going to send the advocate. We're going to send the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit later will be in you. So how do you abide in Jesus? It's through his Holy Spirit, by living by the Spirit. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, and now you Gentiles, talking about people who are outside the Jewish faith, that's you and me, Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ... He identified you as as his own by giving you the what? The Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. It's this idea that when you receive Christ, you have been given the Holy Spirit in that moment. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. It's receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. When we repent and believe in Him, it says that we are filled with His Holy Spirit in that moment. At the moment of salvation, you are filled with the Spirit of God. And... What I want to show you today is I believe that for many of us, we struggle in our walk with Christ because like that chainsaw, we pick it up and we start sawing away on the log without ever accessing what that thing is actually supposed to be there for. We think that if we just lean into it harder and press harder, like something's going to happen, I'll just work harder. And yet the Holy Spirit is standing right there going, look, I can help you with this. And we never acknowledge the Holy Spirit in our lives. Now, how do you know you have the Holy Spirit? How, do you, how, how can we be sure that we have the Holy Spirit dwelling within us? In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, I don't want you to misunderstand this. You know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping, worth, uh, worshiping speechless idols. But check this out. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. One of the roles of the Holy Spirit is to work on a non-believer's mind and heart to draw them closer to God so that they might come to know Jesus. So I'll just say it this way. You wouldn't be walking with Jesus if it wasn't for the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is the one that drew you toward Jesus and allowed you to be able to recognize Jesus and receive him as Lord and Savior in the first place. So if you have received Christ as Lord and Savior, you have not only received him at salvation, but you have the indwelling of the Spirit right here and right now. So it's not a matter of whether a Christian is filled with the Spirit or not. It's a matter of whether they've recognized it. That's what it comes down to. And for many of us as believers, if we're honest, we would have to say that we received Christ and we've been trying to live the life without ever acknowledging the Holy Spirit. We've just been cranking away on that that chainsaw without ever starting it up. Romans 8 is this amazing text that Paul was writing. And and in that, he goes back and forth between uh, this, this life of the disciple. The fact that we struggle in living according to the flesh, the sinful flesh, or living according to the Spirit, and it goes back and forth between this struggle that we have. And some of the problem that we have in our culture today is we've bought into this lie that says that we are all basically good. And you guys know that's not right. You know the truth, right? That we're all sinful. We're selfish. We lie. We cheat. We're prideful. We're wicked people. That's who we are. And and outside of of... the Spirit in doing its work in us, we will remain in that. And so many of us, we've received Christ and we've tried to pursue the things of God without ever leaning into the Holy Spirit. We're doing it under our own power. And we wonder why we're not producing fruit. We wonder why we're struggling, why we've been walking with Christ for so long and just haven't seen things turn out the way that we thought, just haven't made a whole lot of progress. My question is, have you ever grabbed a hold of that cord and cranked it? Have you ever acknowledged the Holy Spirit and begin to live in the Spirit? Uh, Verse 14 says it this way. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. You know, you're a child of God when you are living by the Spirit. You're led by the Spirit. Now, one of the terms I really struggle with today is just Christian. Because that term has been messed up. It it just means so many different things today. And and, uh, I think it's been watered down. But honestly, that's the name that our culture uses to call, call disciples of Jesus Christ. And if you want an accurate definition for what a Christian is, based on this verse, I would say this, that Christians, a Christian is anyone who has the Spirit of God living in them. Now, as a Christian, we've been filled with the Holy Spirit. My question is, are we acknowledging it and are we walking in it? Are we leaning into the Holy Spirit in everyday life as we live this life out? As a Christian, it's not whether you're filled with the Spirit or not, it's whether you acknowledge it or not. And I want you to get this today because uh, this goofy little illustration of a chainsaw, I want you to know there's so much power that is available to you that you can access, that you can lean into. That will help you as an advocate, as a counselor, as a guide, uh, as somebody who convicts you, as somebody who encourages you, and all the things that you need as you are molded and shaped into somebody that looks more and more like Jesus Christ. It's that that process that we call sanctification, becoming more like Christ every day. And we're trying to do it under our own power, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to help us in that. Because that's the only way that we're going to make some significant steps forward in 2024 is if we acknowledge and lean into the Spirit. help us in this process and there's so much power available romans chapter 8 verse 11 says this the spirit of god you remember what the spirit of god is the holy spirit who raised jesus from the dead lives in you the same power that raised jesus from the dead is alive in you i mean just let your mind wrap you know wrestle with that for a while it's amazing And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. How much power is that? And yet we walk around defeated, acting as though, "I, I don't know. I don't know if we can do this. I don't know. I've I've been struggling with this for years. And there's so much power. There's so much stuff that the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives. Uh, here's a list of just a few of the, uh, the roles that he plays in a believer's life. Um, and this is n- by no means. I had to cut so much stuff out of this just to get it on one screen. This, this is a, like scratching the surface is all it is. It's by no means an exhaustive list. And the Holy Spirit, I mean, he seals us as a guarantee. He begins the process of sanctification. He Um, provides assurance of salvation. He guides, teaches, and comforts us. And when it comes to the church, he brings unity and fellowship. He empowers ministry. And I show this to you for a couple of reasons. I want you to know that we're missing out on so much when we're not acknowledging the Holy Spirit's work in our lives as individuals. But as a pastor, I want you to know this, that the church suffers when we don't lean into the Holy Spirit, when we don't acknowledge the Holy Spirit. Because there's so much the Holy Spirit wants to do in and through you as it relates to the body around you. We talk about spiritual gifts here a lot. And we always talk about you're gifted a certain way. And yet we forget that the Holy Spirit plays a role in that. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of all of them. And then in verse 7, it tells us the purposes of those gifts. You know they're not for you, right? It says... A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help who? Each other. When we don't lean, we don't acknowledge and lean into the Holy Spirit, the church suffers for it as well. Because we're not fulfilling our full potential that God wants to do in and through us, not just as individuals, but corporately as well. Some of the gifts that are spelled out in this text are are things like giving wise, wise advice, special knowledge, Great faith, healing, performing miracles, prophecy, discernment, tongues, interpretation, all these different things that the Holy Spirit divvies out. Why? So we can help each other. And yet in verse 11, it says, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. Some of us have heard about spiritual gifts. We've been taught about it because we teach about it here at Mountain View Fellowship a lot. And yet we've never really acknowledged that it's the Holy Spirit that gives them and haven't acknowledged Him and leaned in Him to discover those gifts. And we wonder why we're having trouble finding our place. We're we're having trouble understanding how God wants to use us and work in and through us. And it only comes through the Holy Spirit. That's what this says. There is no other way. It's through the Holy Spirit that we receive those gifts. Now, maybe you've been walking with Christ for a very long time and you've just been struggling in your walk. Maybe you have reading through the passages and the scriptures and you see where as a disciple you're supposed to be producing fruit and you look back over your life with Christ and you're just like, you know, I haven't really seen that in my life. I want to take you back to what we read earlier in John chapter 15. It says, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches, those who remain in me, and I am them will what? Produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do, say it with me, nothing, nothing. We're clear on that, right? We get that. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But when we abide, we remain in him, we produce much fruit. And how do we remain in him? We found that out earlier. We, we access, we remain, we abide through the Holy Spirit. That's how we stay tied to Jesus. Now, what is the fruit that he wants to produce out of our lives? Well, we're going to spell out some of it here in a minute. But the ultimate result is really... A God-honoring life. It's, it's being able to draw others to Jesus as well. It's, it's right relationships in our lives. And, and it just goes on and on. The benefits are absolutely incredible, what God wants to do in and through his people. And yet he uses this analogy of the vine and the branches, of, of a grapevine. Let me ask you a question. Do you think those branches that are tied into the vine, like they just one day just go, hey, you know what? Today I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to produce a grape. And they just go, ugh. You think that's what they're doing? No. Why does a grapevine produce grapes? Because it, that's what it naturally does. Why? Because it's tied into the vine. And see, so often as Christians, we go, I'm, I'm going to grow this year. I'm going to get better at my walk with Christ. I'm going I'm to get into the word. I'm going I'm to pray more. I'm going to do all these things. And we never acknowledge the vine. We never acknowledge, lean into the Holy Spirit to be able to produce that type of fruit in our lives. We think we're going to do it on our own. And he says clearly, apart from me, you can do what? Nothing. Why do we ignore that? Let's acknowledge it and lean into the Holy Spirit this year. I think for many of us too, we've been walking with Christ for a long time. And let's be honest. Some of us, we have been tripping over the same tripwire for years. There's a sin in our life that we can't seem to overcome. We struggle with that. And in that moment, if we're honest, we'll say that that's the moment, that's the point, that's that area in our life where Satan comes in and he rents a room in our brain and he begins to whisper in our ear, you've done it again. You call yourself a Christian, really? You can't do this Jesus thing. Just give up. Quit. Quit. And here we are. We're stumbling over the same thing time and time again, a thousand times. We're stumbling, and we get up, and we're like, "I'm tired of this. I want to get better." And we try harder, like that's actually going to make a difference. Apart from me, you can do nothing. What's the answer to that? The answer is in Galatians chapter five. It says, and this is a long one, but I want us to get this text this morning. So I so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. And the majority of us in this would say, right on, because that's that struggle that we feel. So what's the answer? But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the, result, the results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Those who belong to Christ Jesus... Have nailed their passions and desires of their sinful nature to His cross and crucified them there. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. I love this passage. I don't know about you, but that gives me great hope. Keep struggling with stuff in my life. I got to lean into the Spirit. I got to. I got to set aside that sinful flesh. Now, I'll just be honest with you, okay? And this is a side note. It talks a lot about sinful nature in here. And I don't think that's a correct translation. It should be uh, sinful flesh. Because in our context today, when you say nature, we get the impression that that's something we just can't even change. It's just who we are. and We're never going to overcome it. And that's not the case at all. That's the opposite of what this text says. When we live by the Spirit, we can overcome those things in our life. My question is, as we're reading through that, Are you seeing the kind of fruit that the Holy Spirit brings about in your life? Are you seeing love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control? Are you seeing those or are you seeing what's off the other list instead? Because that's a big indication of whether you're living according to the flesh or according to the Spirit. See, producing fruit and overcoming sin is not about working harder. It's not about, oh, it's a hundred times now. I'm tired of this. I'm going to do better. It's not about resolve. It's about acknowledging and living and walking and living in the spirit of God. That's what it's about. It's about, are you willing to listen and obey? The Holy Spirit is given to us to convict us of sin. To encourage us when we're doing well. To guide us when we're lost. To be an advocate for us when we need one. And yet we pick up the chainsaw and we just set it on the log and we just start pushing away and we never start it up. And I think as individuals and as a church, my challenge to us today is that we would acknowledge it and lean into it. And I know for some of us that's scary. Because maybe you've never really been taught about it. Or maybe you saw the abuse of it and you're worried that that's where that leads. And I want you to know, scriptures are clear about it. That either one of those extremes is not right. That the Holy Spirit is our advocate. It is the third person of the Trinity that lives in you to accomplish what God wants to accomplish in your life. Now, you might be thinking that you can't produce fruit or or you've been walking with Christ so long, I just can't even see you know, acknowledging the Holy Spirit. I, I don't know if it's ever going to get right in my life. I don't know if I'm ever going to overcome that sin in my life that I've been struggling with. And I want you to know what Peter wrote in Second Peter, I think is so true for us today. He says, by his divine power. What's his divine power? Remember? The power that raised Jesus from the dead, the Holy Spirit. By his divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who has called us to himself by means of his glorious, uh, marvelous glory and excellence. Let me ask you a question. It's through his divine power, through his Holy Spirit. And it says that God has given us. Is that past, present, or future? It's past. You've already been given everything that you need. It's just a matter of whether you acknowledge it, or not, whether you live by it or not. And so the challenge this week is this. You know it. I just want you to acknowledge it. I want you to lean into it. I want you to live by it this week. Especially for those of us that have been walking for a while and maybe, maybe we have. We've just picked that chainsaw up and we just went to pushing on it and we just have not understood that our life has, that God has something better for us in our life. It's time we acknowledge it And we begin living in it. Remember that you already have everything that you need. It's just a matter of whether we acknowledge it and live in it or not. Can I pray for that for all of us right now? Would you join me? Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you are a God who loved us first. Even while we were still sinners, you died for us. And Lord, it was through your Holy Spirit that you drew us to this place where we could acknowledge you. where we could hear the good news and respond to it. And yet, Lord, many of us have continued to walk in our old ways. Maybe we received you as Lord and Savior, we were baptized, and yet we continued just to do life on our own. And I pray that that would change today, that we would commit ourselves to acknowledge that there is a third person of the Trinity, one that we have forgotten, one that we desperately need in order to produce fruit, to stay connected to you, because apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, we acknowledge that here this morning. I just ask for boldness. I, I ask for um, this strength as we step into this, as we begin to every day start our day by acknowledging the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives and inviting that and leaning into it. May we have the strength and the wisdom to listen and obey wherever you might lead. God, we just pray that you would use this to continually mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you, and not as just as individuals, but corporately as a church, that we would be a bright light in this dark area for you because of the work that your Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives this year. I pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, and all God's people agreed and said, amen.